Hey, beautiful people. Welcome to MJAC Conversations. I'm your host, Rachel Runnels, and today we're going to talk about COVID hugs, systemic racism, and the gospel. We hope this is just the start of a conversation that continues in your Zoom chats and backyard gatherings of under 10 people six feet apart. Oh, that's raised today, isn't it? If it's mm-hmm. a backyard gathering, what is it, 30, 30 20, people? 30, 25 or 30, something. Under 15 thir- inside and 30 outside? Yeah. Under 30 people, six feet apart. Yes. With me today are Carly Pagans, Wiley leader of youth here at MJAC, and person most likely to hug you the second social distancing is abolished. You bet. Uh, Carly, did you see the How to Hug During a Pandemic? I did see that, and I, I enjoyed the read. I, it was interesting for sure. Yeah. I'm still unsure, though. Like, I think that's, I've just been working at SaskHealth. And so I right. think I'm like waiting for someone to say, Carly, you can hug. And I'm just not quite there yet. Yeah. So like, I really want to, and I'm like strategizing and I'm like, but I just, I want a real good, like, I don't want to like, I want a good real hug, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe. So you need to find like a really tall person. Oh, that's a great idea. Right. You need to find a really tall Seven person. Seven foot five. Like, yep. And then you turn your face, yeah. you turn your face one way, <laughs> they turn their face the other way. You both wear masks and you can get a really good hug in that That's a way. great idea. There you it's go. Strategy. COVID, COVID hug strategy. Done. <laughs> also, most importantly here today is Tristan Norton, whose stylish sneaks give my shoes a run for their money and who brought us the message on Sunday. Tristan, I have a question about your shoes on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have a particular pair of preaching shoes or... Do you change it up? I pretty much change it up every week. Based on like what do you when you when you choose a pair of shoes, what do you base your decision on? Um, okay. Comfortability. So okay. if I'm going for like if I'm just like around the house or like going out to run errands, I gotta make sure they're pretty comfortable. If I'm going to work, they have to match at least my shirt or my pants. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm preaching, they pretty much have to match like the whole outfit. Oh, gotcha. If we're going out for supper, then they have to like have one or two that I only wear like if we're going out. Oh, what do they look like? Um, they're like they're they're sneakers, but they're more like a little bit plainer. But they're like they just cost a little bit more than all the other. <laughs> they just look a little more suave and elegant. Pretty much. Yes, gotcha. Okay, I'm a little. Uh, are you willing to tell us how many shoes you might have to choose from in your if, closet? If I wanted to wear a different shoe every day, I could do it for a month and a half. A, a month and a half? Yeah. I'm speechless. Every day I could wear a different one. <laughs> Let's do it. I want a picture of your shoe collection now. I'm... Uh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm here in my grubby garden shoes. And... <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> Okay, so it's week one of phase three of reopening here in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, have you guys done anything new this week that you weren't able to do a week ago? I went to the gym yesterday and Monday, and I'm going today and tomorrow and Friday. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've been doing. You're catching you. up. Yeah, I'm catching up. Uh, what's it like at the gym? What are they doing to make that safe? So you can't, like, you have to come change and ready to go. Like, you can't use any of the change rooms to change. You can only use, like, the washrooms. Okay. Um, you can't bring your gym bag in. Okay. Um, so you can just walk in with whatever you're wearing and your gym shoes. Everything's spaced, like, six feet apart. Like, like all pre- the machines. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. And then they have a lot of, like, paper towels, that, and you get your own spray bottle. So they have 20 oh. spray bottles. So if all those spray bottles are out, then that's their capacity for... 
Oh, gotcha. However long. And Take you a spray only, bottle, clean your machine before and after. Exactly. And you can only be in there for 75 minutes. So they want everyone to have like... That's about three times longer than I never wanted. <laughs> so that should, that'll do you. Yeah. So they, they're doing really good about like making sure everyone's staying safe and everyone's like being clean and getting people in in a good amount of time. So yeah. Great. Well, that's going to be great. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, I'm not worried about any coronavirus threats at the gym. Superstore, on the other hand, that's that gets crazy. <laughs> I get really worried at the grocery store. I'm not going to lie. Still? Uh, yeah. I've been loving how clean and clear Southern Saskatchewan has been. That gives I, I But I do check the numbers before I go into grocery shop just to be like, how intense do I need to mask up and yeah. use sanitizer and do all that? Do I need to launder all my clothes when I get home? You know, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, that's the question. What about you, Carly? Uh, yeah, I was gonna say like it, it just changed. I haven't had time, but I, you, now you've like one up to me. So uh, n- no, like it, I mean, it just changed on Monday. So yeah. I, you know, I've been working all week. Uh, the thing I'm pretty excited about is um, like where I spin at the attic. They finally yeah. announced that they will be opening up. Initially, they said they didn't think they could space well enough, and they've just given us the okay and. Uh, that's something I've really missed. It's like I miss church spin? and when then I miss spin. You it's stand like in indoor, a spot and spin? Yeah, it's like biking, right? Oh, so biking. Okay. They yell at you. I'm not super motivated to exercise if someone doesn't yell at me. So it's it's really effective for me. When they, so you sit on a bike. So, uh, like a, and they play loud music and yell like, and they yell like super encouraging things at you. Like, good job. Keep going. Bike harder. Wow. wow. I don't know. More savvy things than that. But you're and not I love it. I love it. Yeah. Someone yells at me. I'm just way more motivated to okay. work hard. Wow. Good job, you guys. Yeah. My workout has been in the garden this week. And it's I a good workout, it. though. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Um, so, <clears throat> Tristan, months ago, you took this preaching date on, on Sunday. Um, and none of us could have known the events that were going to unfold in the days leading up to your message. Um, I just want to be sensitive. Maybe there's a few listeners who didn't hear the full story. So, 16 days ago, on May 25th, 2020... George Floyd was killed by a police officer kneeling on his neck for almost nine minutes. The officers on the scene were reprimanded and sent home on, quote, administrative leave. The videos of George Floyd's death went viral online and touched off fires of anti-racism protests across the U.S. and the world. Um, In response to those protests, on May 29th, former officer Derek Chauvin was arrested and charged with third-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter. Um, And this is so significant. This made him the first white police officer in Minnesota to be charged in the death of a black civilian. On June 3rd, those charges were upgraded to second-degree murder, and the three other officers at the scene were charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder, and the date for the trial has not been set. And this, like, has blown up on, I don't know about you, but on my Instagram and on my Facebook Mm -hmm. and all the news sources... And this is just all unfolding on our screens as you prepared to preach on Sunday, and it was pretty unavoidable. Um, can you tell us a bit about how that hit you personally? When it like when it first happened, like to be honest, I was just like, oh, like again, all right, he's probably just gonna get away with it. And then after all the like protest and the um the rallies and seeing when they actually fired the officers and I was just like oh this is this is interesting like something something's happening here yeah and then as it went on like all the videos people were sharing of other things and I'm just like okay now it's kind of like I had to really watch what I was looking at on Instagram and yes. so because a lot of the videos didn't have that sensitive content warning like 
be sure if you don't want to watch it, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so that kind of played an effect of like my just my mental health of like I really want to see this over and over again because it's something that's been happening for years. Yes, like, this is not new to you. Exactly. So just seeing it, it was pretty tough, and I don't know. I probably didn't handle it really well. I didn't really like reach out to a lot of people in the beginning to talk about what was happening. So it was pretty stressful. Yeah. Just having to see it over and over again. But then it got better when you saw like a lot of the change that was taking place and stuff like that. But yeah, the days leading up, I was not really like interested in <laughs> writing a sermon. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So So uh was there did this impact what you what you wrote about, what you were preparing to do? Uh yeah. In certain ways it did. Like I was there was a lot of anger leading up to it, like, oh angry at systems angry at people and just having to really rethink what jesus as a savior meant yeah and how that played into my life personally had to like come into play really big when i was preparing to write this because nothing there's nothing worse than like writing a sermon angry Mm, (laughs) and just right because sometimes it works (coughs) but then sometimes you can tell when this is not probably coming from a great place. So Yes, when you listen to someone deliver a sermon angry, it's really hard to ride that edge and not feel like, oof, as a listener. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that anger, that kind of a big, that kind of big negative feeling, it's not your favorite place to be. Um, what, what were you doing to cope? Like you said, it took you some time to reach out. And then when you did reach out, what did that look like for you? Um, I had a pretty good conversation with, with Corey, my wife, and... Um, talk with Jeremy and Brian from our preaching team and yeah I had a lot I think me and my brother texted and snapchat way more in the last couple of weeks and we like we talk every day but it was just more pointed yeah and then I had a few Instagram video calls with family and friends in the states just checking in on them seeing how they were doing so just reached out to a lot of close people and having yes. good people in my corner that's pretty much what it was is this something that you and Corey talk about regularly or something that you've talked about in the past and processed together? We've talked about it in the past. We haven't talked about it regularly until recent, but it does come up like with us quite often. Like her brother and our sister-in-law are very active also on social media for social justice and stuff like that. So Corey talks with Anna, her sister-in-law, quite a bit about it. And Justin and I talk a little bit, but Corey and I have been talking more about it now, just what's happening and not just for um for black social justice but even indigenous social justice and stuff like that so yes so it does come up a little bit so for uh for people who maybe don't know um Corey uh Tristan's wife Corey has lightish pinkish brown skin and uh so when when Tristan was sharing in his sermon about the responses that they would get uh when they were out at restaurants um, this would be, I think, what would the term be like a mixed race marriage? This would be a yep. response. People yep. would perceive the two of you as exactly. being a mixed race couple. Yeah. Um, do you have anything you want to chip in and add to that? Uh, it's been pretty interesting, certain places that we've gone and certain things that we've done. I mean, I hate to say it, but we kind of get used to the stares and mm-hmm. the looks, mm-hmm. but it's not something you should have to get used to, right? Like, you shouldn't have to worry about what someone's going to say when you sit down at a restaurant or if people are going to stare at you in the grocery stores. But it's kind of something that we've had to deal with ever since we've been dating. Wow. 
Um, yeah, something I never think about when I go to dinner with my husband is whether people are going to be like, what's she doing with him? Mm. And, you know, yeah. we, we're about equal amounts of chubby and equal age. And, you know, <laughs> we look like a matched set of nerdy parents is what we look like when we go out. Um, did you find that, that that changed at all when you moved to Canada? Like, was there or did it feel s- still pretty similar? Um... You don't have to, if you don't want to talk about that, that's all right. It wasn't like, mm, it was pretty similar. Not as overt as some places, Yeah. but it's still here in Canada. Yeah. And a lot of the things where people say, oh, there's not racism in Canada. I'm like, ah, there is. Canadians just don't talk about it as much. Mm. Yes. But. Honestly, I feel like this week is the first week that I would even say the word black. Like, I just felt like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this word. I think I, I think I will just not. Yep. The result, I, and maybe you can speak to this more from your own experience, but then I wondered, maybe the result is then that my, my friends who are people of color maybe then feel like they're invisible because mm. I, nobody will ever reference it openly. Nobody will ever, like, address that. <laughs> yeah, I think it does play into that because people were so scared to say that because they would feel like they're going to be offensive and then they would try really hard to be um i guess politically correct and then overcorrect in that sense and then say something that would be super awkward <laughs> whereas if we talked about it in the first place yeah. and talked about it like respectfully to each other it wouldn't have been as awkward as it was and people mm-hmm. wouldn't have to like try so hard to like be correct about it mm-hmm. it would just be something that was like normal like let's talk about it yeah and i i mean i almost feel like i don't know what to uh what to offer our listeners because my i'm already fairly candid i mean i host this podcast for a reason i'm a fairly (laughs) candid and open person i don't feel very embarrassed to talk about things that other people sort of feel like oh i don't know if you should Mm -hmm. say those things so um I, one of the maybe one of the questions that I feel like is just gonna hang in the air for a little bit that that I'm hoping people talk about at home is how do we get better uh, about being being honest and respectful with with one another about about you know the ways that visible minorities have a different life experience in the world um, than people who are kind of uh, not kind of you know entirely. What's the term for this now? Do I just say white? Is that my is that yeah. my word? Who you know, and heteronormative and all the things that are just sort of like what the world is set up to kind of cater to. Um, today, uh, today I'm planning to shop later, and I was thinking, you know, I got to pick up some band aids, and I was like, wait, when Tristan goes to the grocery store, where does he get skin colored band aids? That is a good question. <laughs> Do you they? Can, they must exist. You can order them on Amazon, but no stores carry them. Man. And I was just like, it just sort of stopped me in my tracks. Like, oh man, it's like all, it's like hundreds, if not thousands of little moments like that, where you feel like, uh, this system is not made for me. It's not Mm -hmm. paying attention to me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, listen for our conversation today, I wonder, um, if we could just take a moment to define one of the terms that I'm seeing on the news and the media. Um, so Tristan knows the meaning of this term already, but it's not his job to explain it to us. So I've been doing, I feel like I've been doing hours of remedial homework uh, to try and catch up on uh, hundreds of years of history uh, that I've unknowingly benefited from. 
and that visible minorities like Tristan and his family have had to work to overcome. So uh, the word for today, folks, is systemic racism. When I say Canada has a problem with systemic racism, I'm not saying all Canadians are racists. I'm not referring in this moment to individuals who are nasty to someone because of the color of their skin. I'm going to call that personal racism. I'm saying that the history of our nation has unfolded in such a way that the systems that organize and serve our society, our legal system, our economic system, our healthcare system, these systems subtly and not so subtly disadvantage visible minorities. Sometimes this is because of racist <clears throat> people working in these systems in the present day. And I would suggest that this is true in the case of George Floyd. Sometimes these systems disadvantage visible minorities because of racist people in the past who encoded their personal racism into laws and programs that are still part of our system today. Does that, does that help? Um, how do I do with that definition, Tristan? Good. That, that went good? Okay. So, uh, and a reason I wanted to make this distinction and really draw this out is because I think everyone listening today would feel sensitive about being called racist personally. You see this stuff go up and you think, well, I'm not a racist. Um, but, and, and that's never how I would want to operate. Um, that's not something we would be okay with. Uh, we want to love all people the way God loves all people. What I am starting to recognize is that even though I would never intentionally speak or act in a racist way, I live inside a system in which I have privilege because of the color of my skin, and Tristan does not. I can go to the grocery store and buy a Band-Aid for my children without a second thought. That's just a little tiny example of privilege. And if I allow myself to remain blind to that, I think, and this is, this is listeners, you can weigh this out for yourself, but this is something I'm beginning to feel convicted about. I think I become complicit in that system, systemic racism if I continue to shut my eyes to it. So I'm wrestling with what the Spirit might be leading me to do about that. Um, and next week, we plan to talk more about creating just neighborhoods and just church community with um, Tristan's wife, Corey, uh, and Stephanie McLeod. So is there anything you guys want to add to that? Um, no, I, I mean, I think, you know, uh, Rachel and I had a bit of a conversation, like we talked a bit last night, and then, you know, yeah. even this morning when I came in, we were talking about, um, I guess I've wrestled a little bit with this idea of, like, systemic sin, I guess. Like, we're really good at talking about, like, our sin individualistically, and like, okay, like, I sinned, I need to, figure, like, I know what to do. Yes, it's like, I say, sorry, like, Jesus ABC, forgives me. Right? Like, mm -hmm. I know what that looks like, um, and I think we talk about systemic racism it becomes like really overwhelming of what does it, what does it look like, right? Um, I think that I uh, have caught myself in the last two weeks realizing the ways in which I said, well, I'm not racist, therefore, like, you know, I can be an ally, but like, like you know, this isn't, this isn't me. Like, I'm not racist, and I can almost wipe my hands and then realizing it's actually not, that's not the answer. Um, I had a beautiful conversation um, with Corey yesterday a little bit about that too and saying, uh, I think, you know, um, I guess my response has been like, I am, I, I, I want to just listen, which is good. I want to listen and I want to learn. Um, you know, I'm a very white, you know, cisgender, middle-class woman. You know, I, I don't know if I have a voice here. And we wrestled with that yesterday of saying, I don't even really know if I should be here because I, I don't, I think I should listen more than I speak right now. Yes. Um, and, and Corey and I had a great chat yesterday about like, you know, what does it look like? 
at some point that becomes a cop-out actually, right? So we need to listen, we need to learn, but um, we also need to figure out what it means to interact well and to bring change, right? And so yes. I think what we've done is is um, put ourselves on the outside of the problem and saying, you know, I'm going to rah-rah and I'm going to, um, you know, offer myself as an ally, right? And I'm going to um, have empathy, but like, it's not my problem. Like it's, it's, a, it's a black problem and I'm going to have empathy on the outside. And I don't think that's the right response either because, mm-hmm. right, like we have to create space. And what does it mean for us to bring systemic change and create space? Um, and I don't know what that means and I don't know what that looks like, but I know that me sitting on the outside having empathy isn't the answer. Because you're not, it's, it's actually a false narrative. You're exactly. not on the outside. Yeah, you're exactly. You're on the inside. You, and, you and I've been benefited. so scared. I kept saying like, I don't, but I don't want to insert myself into the middle. Like I think we do that too often, but actually like we're creating the problem so we need to be a part of, like, we aren't on the outside, right? Yeah. And so um, I think I'm just coming to this place of understanding uh, maybe how much I, I need to learn and how much I don't know, but, but also how much this actually is my problem. Do you want to respond to that at all, Tristan? No, I think that's a, well, yes, I do want to respond. <laughs> I think that's a good way that Carly worded it instead of just saying, oh, Black Lives Matter, I care, I'm here. I think we need more than that. I think um, with all the stuff people are posting on Instagram of all of the different ways that you can contribute, I think that we need to keep doing that, but people actually need to start like contributing to these causes and actually mm. doing these links that they're sharing that they need to mm. actually be a part of like clicking on them, signing petitions, like donating mm. funds, like actually doing stuff instead of just sharing them. So I think the way Carly worded that was... Probably hit the nail right on the head of like what it feels like for most people that I know that are friends that are trying to come alongside people of color, both in Canada and in the States. So. Did you ever think you would live to see this day, Tristan? No. I figured it was just going to keep going the way mm-hmm. it was. Like literally like when you, th- it's sad when you see things on the news of like another person of color. It doesn't have to be like a black person or just any person of color facing some sort of oppression. You're just like, oh, like, it is what it is, I guess. Mm -hmm. But now seeing people actually, like, stepping up and fighting for change and fighting for for a a new way of living, which should have been the way it was from the beginning, Mm -hmm. I think it's good to see action, see the change. Um, If everything's going to happen within my lifetime... Probably not, but hopefully yeah. for my kids and grandkids, it would be a lot better for them. I hope. Do you want to talk? Can you talk a little more about what difference this makes to you personally to see the kind of movement that's that's happening? Like, how's that impacting you? Um, is it bringing any kind of healing for past experiences? Or I think it. I think it is. Like when I I talked about this with a few other people. When I think about it, I'm like. Well, we've been talking about this for years, people. Like, mm-hmm. we as in people of color have been saying this for years. So, well, it's about time something happened. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, it's like, man, this is awesome. Like, people are actually talking about what needs to be done. People are actually sharing how they're going to do it. And people are actually fighting for change. And not just people of the community, but people that are in power are saying, yes, no, we can't do this mm-hmm. anymore brands that have like benefited from all people of color for years saying like okay we're gonna change and we're gonna have to like do it different 
and then even like athletes who are a part of different organizations when their CEOs or people in power say something, athletes are just like, we're not supporting this anymore. Like we'll sacrifice a paycheck to make sure things are changed. That's never happened before. Like wow. that is new and that is great to see people actually like taking a stand and actually wanting to see things be better. Do you feel seen? Yeah. For the first time in a long time, probably. Yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah, we see you. And I know a lot of my family and friends feel the same way, that they're just like, we have allies and we have friends, and it's no longer just a, a black person's struggle. Like, everyone is seeing the change that needs to happen. So everyone's, like, excited about it. But at the same time, sad that it took this long. <laughs> yes. Well, and I'm, I feel a little bit you know, anxious. I don't know how long my people's attention span is going to be on this. Yeah. It's already exceeded what mm-hmm. I kind of expected. Because yeah. um, I think it's going to be a sustained grind to actually make big changes. Um, but God bless it. If mm-hmm. I could, if I, I think this is a work of the spirit, um, bringing change. Oh, which is a great maybe segue <laughs> to talk about I was just looking at it, I was like, Sunday oh. and <laughs> the gospel. Maybe, uh, maybe we should talk about that. So Tristan, your message on Sunday was that Jesus saves. Oh yeah. His life, mm. death and resurrection conquered sin. Uh, how was that message speaking to you as you prepared it? Well, the message I gave on Sunday was not what I prepared <laughs> during the week. Right? So I should just throw that out there. Do you want to talk about that? Because you made me really curious on Sunday when you said you scrapped your manuscript. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. I scrapped it Sunday morning. <laughs> Writing your message. <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, like, what do you think? What What was it that you felt actually a push to say that maybe you weren't going to say? Um, Preparing it, I'm like, okay, I can look at what... The Alliance Fourfold Gospel is and what they say about Jesus as our Savior. And I can find all these great anecdotes and all this um, good information that they had on their websites. And I could just copy and paste it and like preach that, which is what I had done during the week. I had just written the sermon yeah. the way the Alliance and had put some funny jokes in there and some life experience. As if nothing had happened this Le- week. Legit. Like, You're going to stand up there, <laughs> six foot tall black man, and just be like, oh, Amy Simpson. Yeah, yeah. It was like, I shared it with Brian and Jeremy, and they're just like, this is good. Um, like, this, is, this is well written. We know you'll do great. But I f- we don't, you don't have to speak for all people of color. But if there's something that you need to say, we give you the freedom to do it. And I'm like, ah, oh, okay. And Brian and Jeremy and the rest of the speaking team has always been really good about encouraging me to say what's on my heart because that's probably one of the best times I speak is when I speak from the heart. So I wrote it all, got it all done Friday, Saturday, got it all ready. And I'm just like, all right, this will be good. Like I was reading it over, I was memorizing it. And then Saturday just had like like a 45 minute meltdown about like what was happening and mm. how I wasn't talking about it. And then Sunday morning, was that with your wife? Yeah. 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 And then Sunday morning we were just going through a house of prayer and praying. And, um, like I took out my phone and started writing and I kept all the passages of scripture cause they are related. I had already yes. had these yes. and I was just writing. And it's I'm not like, like you rewrote an entire new sermon. No. 
But yeah, the gospel well, it was the same. It. Well, most of it. <laughs> the message was the same, but it was just different wording. And framed in different... Yeah. With different things. Yeah. So I basically retyped it Sunday morning, 20 minutes before we started singing. <laughs> That's why I love this podcast. It's like, you can't really... You don't want to say that when you get up there to speak, because it breaks trust a little bit. People are like, uh-oh, what's going to happen now? Yeah. But so, I, love the, I love the insights. Yeah. The, yeah. Back, the background story. So, so I was prepared. Like, I did all the work ahead of time. Yes. Figuring out where the alliance came from. Yeah, a lifetime of preparation, really. Yeah, <laughs> like, seriously, though. Yeah. But all the, the scriptures and all the background and history of the alliance and what Jesus being our savior meant to a lot of the alliance forefathers, I had already done the work on that. So I just had to, like, bring it into perspective. I was like, what does this really mean for me now? Yes. And what does it mean for us as a church body if we really believe that? Jesus is our savior and that we really are living into that. So that was pretty much the roller coaster from last Monday. I usually like to have my sermons done by Wednesday. Yeah. I can have Thursday, Friday to like read it over and have a lot of it in my mind. Yeah. I feel like that's not what happened. Well, no. you like, I asked him on Thursday at lunch. I'm like, that's a sermon. You're like, yeah, it's done. I'm like, oh, okay. Like he's talking from your story. He's like, no, look, I'm just going to quote like, you know, what the lines. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. So like, you were done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just, just said, uh, I would have been so disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> you would have. I would have. I would have got you in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, right. All the things you didn't say. say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Would have made this morning Holy a lot Spirit different. Holy Spirit got you first. Good yeah. Good. Yeah, you did. <laughs> How did you feel about it after you finished preaching? Uh, I asked Corey and Carly because they were there. Like, so what did that sound like? Because it made me, I sounded like I was just like rambling, mm. and then just judging from you guys is weeping. Resp- we're yeah. weeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. From that, I was like, oh, okay. I guess I wasn't just rambling, and it was pretty cool. After like. I never feel as confident afterwards because I'm always like mm. second guessing sometimes a lot of the things okay. I say. But then the feedback is always like, okay, maybe once or twice I've preached to someone I've been like, oh man, that was great. Like, that was awesome. And then afterwards it was just like, people are just like, eh, it was okay. <laughs> so every time now I'm just like, is whatever the spirit says, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm mm. never going to be like, oh, that was great. That was awesome. Mm. I think it was afterwards, like after talking with people and then the fact that my mom messaged me right away was just yeah. like, oh, I was crying. I was like, well, all right, I guess. That's a three for, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got three weepers on that yeah. <laughs> So afterwards, I think it was good, yeah. Mm, nice. Uh, Carly, do you want, can you talk a little bit about yeah. how Tristan's message impacted you? Yeah, I was so thankful. So, I mean, Tristan started to talk and I kind of knew what he was planning to speak on. And so he starts to talk and I'm like, I look at Corey and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, this is different. Um, and I was so thankful. And um, I need to say it. Like, it, it was so beautiful. Um, you know, I'm a pretty sensitive human. So it doesn't take a lot for me to cry. But I was sitting there weeping. Like, it was just beautiful. Uh, and, you know, reflecting a bit about, upon, like, what, what that was that made me weep. Mm-hmm. I mean, but partially hearing your experiences. Like, you're one of my closest friends. And that broke my heart. Like, it just broke, you know, like the first set of, the first round of weeping was just heartbreak. Uh, and then round two of weeping at the end of your sermon um, was actually more of like, of hope. Um, so this has been uh, something that, I mean, the last, what, six, eight weeks have been just hard, right? And then things have just gotten harder and, you know, not knowing how to respond well and feeling overwhelmed. And I think I had kind of started to lose hope in some ways. 
And Tristan comes in and offers this message of hope that that just shook me to to a state of weeping of saying, hey, like in all of this, when I don't feel worthy, when I don't feel loved, when I don't feel free, you offer freedom and you offer, uh, you save us and not just save us from, but save us too. And and so these underlying messages and current of hope in there um, was the first time I think I've felt hope in this kind of murky water. And so, um, yeah, I'm just so thankful for that message. Um, one of the things that we like to do in our podcast setting is tell some of our personal stories about the, you know, the way that the message reflects something that we experienced about Jesus in our own lives. Um, and so I wonder, can we can we tell a story about uh, the ways that we personally experienced Jesus uh, as our Savior? Sure. Um, I kind of shared a little bit on on Sunday, but. It's always something I've known growing up. Like, I grew up in a pretty Christian, a very Christian family. My dad's been a, a pastor all my life. So I've grown up knowing, okay, Jesus is your Savior. This is how he saves. Like, this is the prayer you pray. And, you know, just go on, just going about just living that way. And then I think it was probably maybe in, in college. Like, I've lost, like, a lot of friends due to, like, car accidents or, like, suicide and mental health stuff. And just knowing that story and their lives and then looking at my life and being like, what like what made me different? Like, why am I, like, still here? Like, what's keeping me focused? And just knowing that I served a God that actually, like, saved me and gave all these sacrifices for me. And just thinking back on that, and then it kind of tied in with this week in preparing for the sermon and have having lots of feelings of worthlessness and mm-hmm. just not feeling seen or heard or just feeling like less than coming up because of everything you see in, yes. in the media and on the news and then reading scripture, especially that Romans passage. And it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, so literally nothing, nothing can separate me from from God's love. Nothing can separate me yes. from like what he is doing for me. And that kind of Not the color home. of your skin. Not nothing, the unjust system. Nothing at all. Inside. And that kind of hit home this week with with that. So that's pretty much one of the the biggest experiences I've had with Jesus as my savior, especially this week, is remembering that I'm put here for a reason and like I am worthy and I mm-hmm. have a purpose and it's all found in him. Like that hope Carly was talking about is mm. so yeah, that's pretty much like my experience in the nutshells. That's such a good and timely story. I'm uh in a way I'm so glad that you were the person that was on had the microphone mm. on Sunday. Um, even just to hear your testimony of of the way that um, Jesus' affirmation of you um, as, as you know, your worth, because Jesus says you have worth. Um, that's really powerful, Tristan. Mm-hmm. What about you, Carly? Yeah. You got a way that you've experienced Jesus saving you? I think, I mean, you know, we've talked about it, you know, in the last time I was on here, my, like, the last podcast I was on was, you know, my story looks a lot different than yours in that, um, you know, I came to Christ in university, and so it's very clear, like, saving from, like, just life. Mm, the before uh, and after. Yeah, like, it, you yeah. know, it's, it's very clear in this, like, change in my life of like 
<clears throat> deeply knowing I need Jesus and, um, and knowing that, um, maybe just knowing the desperation of, of needing a savior, um, and knowing just the depths of brokenness that I experienced, um, and, I, and, and that's, that's important, but I think more recently learning, like, what does that mean on a daily basis? Like, what does that not just mean then? And what does it mean today? Like, so saving from and saving to. And so, um, you know, I think Tristan's message really pushed me to wrestle with that throughout the weekend and, you know, last few days of what does that mean now? Um, it wasn't just get, like this one time moment. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. what does it mean to continually, right? Like, um, to continually die to self, to continually... You know, you talked about that, that Romans passage, and I think for me, it t- took me to this place of like, what does it mean to abide? Like, what does it mean to be, to be with Jesus? Like, what does it mean to, because in all of this mess and all of, uh, uh, you know, and you talk about like feelings of worthlessness and feeling of not knowing where you, you fit or belong or have a voice. And I think, I think that's a human experience in different ways. So like, yeah. I totally get the context of, of yours right now, obviously, right? Like, I, I get that. Uh, but I think that's also a human experience for all of us. And that's something that, you know, every one of us in that, this room has, mm-hmm. um, has experienced. And so going, no, like, even in that, I have, I have worth in Christ. Even in that, like, Christ has saved me from, um, from needing to, to, um, to continue to live in that way. And so I, I think I found this encouragement in your message uh, to go, what is, what is it, yeah, what does it mean to abide in me? Uh, what does it mean to find hope? This is, like, the only place, I guess, where I can... I'm finding any solace right now. This is the only place where I'm finding any wow. rest. This is the only place where With I... Jesus. Yeah, so I was listening to this other podcast uh, this past weekend, and, um, and, and the, they offered this prayer, and I, you know, in the ways that you wrecked me, it, it equally did, and it just was this, you know, Jesus, you are in me, I am in you, we are one. You are with me, I am with you, we are one. And going, that's the only place where I, I right now... Can keep it together maybe right yeah. and so um that place of god has saved me from something but he saved, he saved me to this place where i can abide and i can um find hope in that where he is like the one that is just and he is the one that brings hope and he is the one that is love and that we can draw into that and uh, i think it's a really beautiful thing is there a particular time of day or place you go to pray that prayer oh man like prayer is like my like, it's my, like I, I love to spend time with jesus like that's like i just and so like that has been my prayer. I think probably since you spoke and being like really challenged, that has been my prayer a hundred times a day. Like that has just been like, I've really clung to this idea of like breath prayers and just like, like Jesus, give me hope. Jesus, like, right. Like just like mm-hmm. continually throughout the day. And so that has been my prayer over and over and over again. Yeah, uh, I walk every day too. And so really for the most part, when I walk, that's just been the only thing that has kind of kept me anchored is over and over again. Like yeah. you are in me. I am in you. We are one. What I like about that prayer is it doesn't just feel like an an exhalation, like a help, 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 but it Mm. also is this inhale of um, you are in me, you know, the Mm -hmm. sense of receiving Jesus' love into you, breathing out your your cry for help and your need for him and receiving it again on the breath in. We are one, right? We're not alone in this. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's been a really healing prayer for me. Um, so for me, what, what struck me this week is, uh, this may be framed more as a question. If, if the gospel is that Jesus saves us from sin, that must include sinful systems. Mm. Like the racism that's baked into our history that I'm just lately becoming aware of. Um, 
I, and I, I, you know, when I look I, with fresh eyes then at scripture, I've been reading um, in, in Psalms. I've started a new reading plan uh, put out by uh, Mercy Culture. So Psalms, Proverbs, Gospel every day. Nice and short. Um, and all of the cries for mercy and all of the, the Psalms that are saying, God hears the cries of the oppressed. He's listening to the cries of the marginalized. He doesn't forget them. Like over and over and over again, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is everywhere in mm-hmm. in my Bible. Um, so I think system- systemic injustice is the kind of sin that God gets really fired up about. Um, I'm just I'm just seeing that um, that His care for the poor and the marginalized is all over the pages of my Bible. Um, and I, I just, but you know, my question is then, as a Jesus follower, like how do I participate in that? Mm-hmm. Um, is like, is there a way that I'm, I'm participating in that work of his redeeming the world, his, his bringing justice? Um, uh, do you guys have anything? I, I know I put this question into the script. Did you have anything that you want to chip in there? Do you think that that is true or are there places that you see him, see Jesus at work doing that redeeming work? I think... Some of the places I see, like Jesus at work doing that redeeming work, is in a in the church as a whole, and like there's a lot of like church leadership, mm-hmm. because let's be honest, like, and the church has been blamed in the past for like turning a blind eye to things, and like oh, we'll pray for their souls, but that's it. Mm-hmm. And I've been in many a church meeting where jokes have been made and people are just like, oh, if we need to go anywhere, we'll just take Tristan because, you know, he's a big black guy and no one will be mess with us. Mm-hmm. I don't really like being known for, like, in those settings, like, people are going to be scared of me, so let's just take Tristan. I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. okay. It's actually That's... not really true about you as a person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, like, and I think the church, not, not like our church physically, but the whole church as a whole. Church universal, sure. Yeah. Um, is trying. We're making change. But I think that change is coming from like Jesus' redemptive work. I think a lot of church leaders are seeing, seeing, oh wait, like we have been turning a blind eye to this. We have been feeding into this, even if it's unintentionally, just by things we've done or said. Like these systems have been continued. Yeah, they the weren't resisted. Yeah. So I think now Jesus is shaking things up within within the church and just changing the way we do and live the gospel. Not turning a blind eye to sin at all, because sin is sin and we need to address it. But Jesus is just redeeming, redeeming that. So. I'm hoping that we become better at loving people in our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. That this shaking um, makes us a, a hus- more hospitable place for people who look different than us, or have different backgrounds than us, come from different cultures than us. Mm-hmm. Um, and even inside the church, I don't think we are as much of a monoculture as we like to pretend that we are when we show up on a Monday mor- uh, Sunday morning. We don't anymore show up on a Sunday morning, but when we, <laughs> but we did, did, you know, we want to all fit in. We all want to all say, we're doing good. We're doing fine. Family's great. Look at my beautiful children. We're all following Jesus and loving Jesus. I don't 
that that kind mm. of uniformity actually I don't think is present even now in our in our in the MJAC church and for us to be able to talk respectfully and lovingly about ways we feel weird and different and um, maybe broken uh, and to be loved and heard. Anyways, I feel like I bang that drum all the time. I think too, like the th- like something I do appreciate, uh, really, I think over the last, I don't know, just in like six, six months, year is like the voices that we've seen from the front have changed, right? And so we are, we, you know, historically been this, um, I think almost every voice from the front has been a, a, a you know, a, a white, you know, a white man, mid, middle-aged man. Like it's just, that's been uh, our narrative, not just, um, not just preaching, but in, you know, announcements and in like worship and in right. And it's like kind of gets old and it kind of feels like this is who we are. Like this is, becomes like our identity. And I think, I don't know if it was an intentional thing or not, but, but things have changed around here mm-hmm. and going like the voices that we're hearing are different. And I think that creates a different kind of space. Mm-hmm. I think we just become a different kind of church when, um, where someone's on a, right. Like we've created, we were working, I think intentionally on creating space. And I've really appreciated that. Um, I think that allows us to then have those healthier conversations. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay. That's interesting. So is that something that you're hopeful will continue? Oh, man, I really hope so. (laughs) You know, I think personally as a woman to see other women up there, right? I think uh, when people walk in um, to our church and they see it's not just, you know, know, white middle-aged man after white middle-aged man coming up there, it tells us this is a safer space to exist, right? Like I can contribute here maybe is, is, is what I'd hope people would see. Like I can be a part of this community, not just as a spectator, but I can contribute here. Yeah, I have a so I have a strong sense of just calling uh, to be a pastor and a preacher, um, and so my sense when I step on stage is that the because I'm a woman that preaches a gospel word without me opening my mouth. Mm. Because I'm a woman, um, people who long for a nurturing mother find a safe space in in my message, uh, even if I don't ever talk about it. Just my demeanor uh, becomes a safe space. And that's not just for women. Be that be men and, and young people and, and children. And, mm-hmm. and um, so, yeah, and I, I just long to see that continue as well. Um, hearing Ruth Ann share her story uh, of yeah. her mental health journey, that she would stand up there so that she brings not only this, her presence as a, as a nurturing mother and woman, but also a person who's who's on a journey who's struggled with mental health and the gospel speaks so powerfully. Mm. Jesus is using her. Jesus is in her. Mm. Um, Tristan, do you want to? Do you have that sense when you step up on stage of what it is that you bring? Um, because I could tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I want you to speak. <laughs> yeah, like I think when I when I step on stage, I do bring something different. Um. It's probably not, I probably don't feel it as much as when one of the ladies on our preaching team speaks because mm-hmm. at the same time, like, I'm still a man. So mm-hmm. people expect, like, you know, men to be speaking. But I still feel like I bring something different because I am a black man and I can speak from different experiences of how the, how the gospel has come into my life. And I think we all, especially like Carly said, the spaces that we've been creating recently have been have been great and that everyone brings something different and people can feel 
welcome and heard and loved through what we're doing. So I think, yeah, I do think I bring something different when I when I'm up there. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really want you to have to to know that you belong. Yeah, mm-hmm. you belong on stage. You belong with that microphone in your in your hand. Um, you're you have the privilege of being a man, but I mean, we've talked about this. I have the privilege of my whiteness. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, each of us has our own realms where we're marginalized and mm-hmm. and where we have privilege. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would want to add actually that the that the young men that we have preaching. Oh yeah. Um, seeing them, uh, I have little brothers, you know, and I think about my, my son, Nevin and like seeing them just learning, just cutting their teeth on this, that we Mm -hmm. handed them a microphone and said, we know you're not going to be a pro at this. Mm -hmm. And we all want to hear what you have to say. And we want to give you the opportunity to learn and grow for us as a preaching team, all to have this sense of we're okay to be learning together. Well, even Trevor leading worship, right? It's like, we have these it's you know it's it's all of our leadership roles we're seeing this rise in younger leaders right or different leaders i guess step up and that's been such a beautiful thing right we have these college students who who come and it's like i can actually i can be a part of this right mm-hmm. and so it, it models um in all of our roles that we've got mm-hmm. right like that it, this is this is a place where you know for someone like nevin being like look at all my options yeah. and not just this one mm-hmm. um listeners can i can i ask you to do something for us so we don't get to see you in the foyer. We don't get to rub shoulders with you and hear you say, we love what you're doing. Would you please open up an email and send it to office at mjack.org and tell us if it's impacting you, if the diversity of the preaching team is impacting you, mm-hmm. if these podcast conversations are impacting you, would you just write a couple lines to that email and, and let us know? Mm-hmm. Um, because if this is something that you want to see continue, uh, we probably just need to hear that feedback. We love it, but but we are, we're not just doing it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We we want to bless the whole this whole church body. And I and I, so I ask in particular if you're a, a person who's over fifty, uh, if <laughs> if you are are loving this, or if you're wishing you could see some more gray hairs uh, in the mix, we'd be happy to hear um, either of those things. So please send us an email today. Uh, we would really appreciate that. All right. Um, our last question there, um, and we've talked a little bit about this. I just wonder, Tristan, what, what your hope is the response, um, to your message and the most recent news cycle in, in the church? What do we, what do you hope the church rises up to do in Jesus name? Um, (laughs) my hope is that the universal church would do more than just be like, well, let's pray about it. Mm. Let's 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 get on our knees and bring them before before the Lord. That's a you place know? to start. Yeah, it is a place to start, but we need to do more than that. Then get up from our knees and at some point. Yep, yeah. yeah. I think from my message, I just want people to start having conversations that are respectful and conversations that we can use to to learn about what is happening in our society, and then from those conversations, actually. Be thankful for the fact that Jesus is our Savior and he came to save everyone. And the fact yes. that we're thankful for that means, oh, we should probably take action now. There's and no second class exactly that Jesus saves. Exactly. So that we just put our words into action. You know, people say, put your money where your mouth is. Like, yeah, like yeah. if we're going to say things from the pulpit and say things in our like 
values, we should probably start mm-hmm. acting on it and working on it and just being more respectful of everyone and trying to live in a in a way that those kids coming up in junior high and kids ministry and high school can be like, I'm proud to call myself a Christ follower and this is what I'm going to be doing and this is how I'm going to change what's happening. So. Yeah. Carly, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? I think that was so beautiful. I know we've had some conversations about, you know, um, yeah, like what is the next step, right? So we need to pray and we need to be on our knees, but um, maybe even starting the conversation of saying we need to do more and, you know, you and I were chatting earlier about like what are some practical things we can do and how do we create space? And I think having those conversations uh, like among ourselves, but also with our children and saying, you know, what is it like for all of us together to create space, to understand the system that we're in, understand the ways that we've, we've benefited or not benefited from that system, depending on, you know, who you are in the room. And then how do we, how do we look at, um, at least here, creating a different system, right? And opening up space for a different system, right? Starting that, there. That should be what's happening in the church. Yeah. Um, you know, when we, when we were baptized, you go mm. under the water, uh, a white Canadian, and you come up and you're a Jesus follower. Yeah. That's it. You've been washed. There's no slave. There's no free. There's no eth- ethnic marker now that is more important than your identity as a Jesus person together in community in, mm-hmm. in the church. Um, how do we live that out? Um, I, I think, listeners, what I would offer to you is Wikipedia. Um, uh, if you're, I 100% support you praying about this and grieving about this. And I, I also want to just encourage you, uh, do your homework. Um, go, get on Wikipedia and figure out what does white privilege mean? What is redlining? Um, what is systemic racism? Um, and start to do your own homework. It's not the job of the people of color in your life to educate you. Educate yourself. You know how to do it. Um, and, uh, and then journal about that stuff. Process it in conversation with your spouse or your friends or your small group. And, I mean, that should bring us back to prayer again. As you, as you learn more about these concepts and become more aware and, and then you are praying about them, um, then I'm hopeful that the Spirit is going to stir up in you and in all of us uh, what Jesus wants us particular, particularly to do as a church, what he's leading us particularly to do. And I'm, I'm looking to his leadership um, in all these things. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing, everybody. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated you guys going into this conversation with me. Mm-hmm. It's been good. <laughs> um, in a moment, we're going to pray our blessing. Um, but first, let's just look ahead. Uh, this Sunday, we'll be hearing from Distinguished Beard Jeremy Zacharias on Jesus Sanctifier. And then next Wednesday, I'm hosting our first all-women conversation. Can we call it MJAC Mater Familias? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Stephanie McLeod and Tristan's wife, Corey Norton, will be joining me to talk about their new normal, the Sunday live stream. And I think we're probably going to dig into how we might use our privilege to create more inclusive, diverse community in our neighborhoods and in our church. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll, uh, that'll be a gooder. That's gonna I can't be... wait to hear those voices. Yeah, yeah Those are yeah. great voices. <laughs> okay, great. I'll lose sleep between now and then and do another <laughs> hundred hours of research. And, um, Tristan, would you be willing to pray, pray the blessing for us today? Oh, for sure. Um, Dear God, I just uh, thank you for this opportunity we get to sit here and talk about how you are moving within our systems. I pray that we continually strive to, to 
be better at the way we're living our lives as examples of of your saving grace. I God, I pray that as we um, as we go about our days, that we we don't forget to take the opportunity to be thankful for how you've blessed us, how you've saved us, and then as we're thankful for that, just we turn into action. I thank you for the people in this room right now, and I thank you for this conversation, and I thank you that you have loved us the way you've always loved us. In your son's name, we pray. Amen. Thanks to Trevor DeVries for producing the show and making us all sound pretty, folks. <laughs> Until next time, be well and be good to each other. <laughs>